Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Tuesday, July 28th. Frank Stanfield here with Scott White and Chris Towers. Guys, a roller coaster of a day. Let's start with the biggest story. Uh, happy Mark Hanna Day, Scott. He hit his first home run. That's the big story. Can I get That's, a what what? That is what everybody's been talking about uh-huh. today. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw like breaking news stories all over every website. They were like, Scott White's favorite hitter, Mark Canna, finally blasts off. The streets were on fire with Mark Canna news today. (laughs) The streets were on fire. (laughs) They were Um, ablaze. Obviously, we're going to be reacting to uh, the Marlins outbreak situation with COVID. Uh, We're going to recap a lot of what happened on Monday, although we wound up losing a couple of games there, and we'll answer your questions. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. But hey Frank, yes, sir. I don't want to put you on blast this early in the podcast. But while I appreciate that you want us to know what the score of the Braves and Rays game was, <laughs> you did not, in fact, send us notes for this podcast. So Scott and I have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You sent us the box score. Is that true? That is true. Yeah, I, yeah. I was about I was about to privately message you. No, no, I, I'm and point we're, we're done. We're done handling <laughs> these things behind scenes. All right, so uh, let's kind of figure this out on the spot right now. But in the meantime, we will talk about the Marlins outbreak situation. Eleven players have tested positive for COVID. Uh, as well as two other members of the team. The Marlins versus Orioles game on Monday was canceled, and it sounds like it will be canceled on Tuesday as well. Uh, the Yankees versus Phillies game was canceled because the Phillies obviously just hosted the Marlins for a three-game set. Uh, so the Yankees versus Philly game was canceled as well. Uh, I would say that this is probably one of the worst fears for baseball in general, is a whole team, not a whole team, but a large majority of a team kind of catching the virus here and I'm just wondering, you know, how are the Marlins going to field a competitive team? I feel like this changes so many things. Um, Scott, we'll start off with you. I mean, what was your you know, biggest takeaway from the situation? How does it affect baseball in general? How does it affect fantasy baseball? It's, you know, again, it's a weird topic to talk about. Like, it's much bigger than fantasy baseball, but it is something that we need to address here on the show. Yeah, sure, we do. Uh, I mean... We don't know who tested positive yet. And, and in some cases, we won't know who tested positive, right? Someone will go on the IL and maybe we'll be able to connect the dots there. I don't know. Uh, so I don't know in terms of like what players it affects. You know, obviously, for the rest of this week, things are up in the air. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, concern throughout baseball media that this was 
this marked the end of the season. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of momentum for that internally, though, within the league. So I don't know that there's there's any reason to be fearful of that right now. Uh, You know, if it if it was several teams instead of one then maybe we'd see that more and and maybe it has the potential to become that. I don't know. The Phillies, obviously they're getting tested again. Uh, it sounds like they're hoping to play on Tuesday still. And it sounds like the Marlins are hoping to, or at least the league is hoping the Marlins will be able to play on Wednesday. So, you know, but that's a fluid situation. That's a fluid situation. I imagine if, if, if tests come back differently or if, if different advice comes in suggesting they, they hold them out longer than uh, we may see that come to pass. But, you know, a couple of things I saw from, uh, you know, there was obviously the very large doomsday crowd within baseball media, but then there was also some who were pointing out different things. Like for instance, you know, this wasn't so far off the table in terms of expectations that, you know, there's a reason these these teams had 60 player pools in reserve to draw from because they were anticipating that there might be a breakout at some point that a team would have to tap into it, uh, a pretty deep reserve pool. So, uh, you know, it wasn't entirely unexpected, but of course, it's it's not a good thing. And uh, hopefully, as other members of the media and other people within the league pointed out, hopefully, it's a it's a a lesson for people in the game not to get complacent given the lack of uh, positive tests so far. There hasn't been that many since the initial intake. Uh, you know, yeah, we, don't, I, we don't know exactly how the Marlins were conducting themselves. There were reports from the Phillies observing them from across the field that they thought they were not being as careful in the dugout as the Phillies themselves were, but we don't, you know, that's, that's obviously anecdotal. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the doomsday scenario. The doomsday scenario is if like multiple players on the Phillies catch it or multiple players on the Orioles or multiple, multiple players on the Yankees. Like that is when I think the league will start to really have to take a look at canceling. Maybe not the whole season, probably not the whole season. I would imagine they're going to try to ride this thing out as best as they can, but that's when you start to see what, when you'll start to see serious, uh, changes become considered as far as how the league is approaching this, the scheduling, et cetera. I think, you know, once you have multi-team transmissions from a single outbreak, that's the, that is the doomsday scenario. And I'm glad that they're taking this seriously. I'm glad that the Marlins aren't going to play today or tomorrow. Um, I just, it seems like the weekends might be an issue here, you know, with, um, with the testing delays. Cause these were, you know, we're getting tests back today that were done on Thursday. It sounds like, yeah, that they like, got it. Can't play a whole series <laughs> waiting for tests to come back. That that this is just. Hopefully, this serves as a a wake up call to Major League Baseball that they still have work to do to iron these things out. And this is what we saw the first couple of weeks in summer camp that, that the weekends caused delays and ultimately. If there's any kind of doomsday scenario, I think it's something like that. Um, so, you know, right now the season's still going. My my assumption is it's going to take a lot for baseball, Major League Baseball, to stop yeah. this season. Um, yeah, I, I think that's an important takeaway because there have been a lot of meltdowns 
yeah. uh, whenever something has gone wrong. Some things are going to go wrong. Yeah. I, I don't think I, – I think baseball counted on that, and I think they uh, set it up that teams can manage things going wrong as, as best as they're able to. It's not going to be perfect, but they're, like, they're, they're pretty far in it now to back out. It would take an awful lot, I yeah. think, to just end things. This does just like really wish they had been able to come to an agreement 12 days earlier and added like a week and a half of off days because yeah. that would make this a lot more viable when you've got six off days during the season and the Marlins and, and Orioles are, are going to have to use two of them in the first five days that, that that's where it starts to get like, I don't think the Marlins and Orioles are going to play 60 games this year. Yeah, I mean, we're talking. I would about imagine that's just what we're facing now. Sixty games in sixty-six days. Uh, you know, it was always going to be tough, especially it's with a they, normal amount of time in, right. in normal circumstances. You can account for like rain delays and stuff, but yeah, it's it's not enough given what we have here. There's going to be uneven schedules. Yeah, it's just there with so much going on. It, look, the Phillies were tested today, so hopefully they get the results back sooner than later. Uh, but yes, they have to tighten things up. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. I remember when Juan Soto first tested positive for COVID, you know, people were questioning whether or not they should play the first game against the Yankees because, you know, he had been with the team for multiple days after testing positive and they didn't get those results back until what I think, I believe it's like 48 hours later. So ultimately they just have to tighten this whole situation up. And this is why we had that conversation yesterday, where if you're a commissioner, just talk with your league mates and figure this out where if something happens throughout the course of the season, people get their money back and, and so be it. So that's why we had that conversation yesterday. Uh, but the show must go on literally and figuratively and Monday standouts, Scott, we'll jump into some of the action from Monday. Who is uh, someone that stands out to you most from this slate of action that we had? Uh, good or bad? I mean, should we hit the bad news first? Because there was there was kind of there was there was kind of a big uh, sure a bomb dropped after after the Rays hit three bombs off Mike Fultonevich, who was again throwing in the low nineties like he was in his final summer camp start. Did not look good. It was like it was like watching Matt Harvey at last oh, year with the toward Mets. the end of that. That's end, what end of career Matt Harvey. Yeah, well, the Braves. What... The Braves certainly thought so because they've decided they've had enough of their game two starter in the playoffs last year, Mike Fultonevich, DFA'd, and uh, it's going to be on another team probably, presuming another team wants to give him another chance, maybe by way of trade, maybe just he's let go and another team picks him up, but you're not going to see him in a Braves uniform anymore, does not currently have a job, obviously safe to drop him at this point, even though he was you know, kind of a mid-round investment for you. You know, the Braves seemed convinced it wasn't going to get better. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he got- 93% owned, so he's owned in yeah. a large majority of leagues. Um, you go out and drop him even if he were to land in a situation that's positive, Scott? I mean, you're just dropping him no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I was, I was writing him up. You know, I'm writing an article, 15 pitchers, concerning pitchers after their first start and how worried should you be? And he was in the highest category of concern. And I was talking about potentially dropping him before the Braves even made it obvious. So yeah, it really doesn't matter where he goes. I think in mixed leagues, you know, 
it's always possible he regains velocity and turns things around, but you can react to it when it happens. I don't think you need to reserve him in the meantime. I don't think the Braves were the reason why he was throwing 90 miles an hour. Right, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think this is like, I mean, like maybe there will be some kind of change of circumstance and he lands with some team and they figure out a mechanical adjustment because he's talked about it. You know, he feels fine. He feels like the ball's coming out fine. Uh, he thought it was a cold gun in his last uh, summer camp start. <laughs> he blamed a lot of things. Cold um, gun, weather. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's possible he lands somewhere, but there, there's no reason to look at what we have, the evidence we have right now and think that uh, he's going to land somewhere and, and be fine. He was throwing 91 miles per hour with the fastball. On Monday, 80 miles per hour with the slider. Uh, mind you, last year that was at 95 miles per hour with the fastball, 85 miles per hour with the slider. So, again, that is Mike fulton Chris, who stands out hey. to you most from Monday's slate of action? Can a player stand out if they have not played yet? That's a philosophical sure. question I want to ask because it stands out to me that the Brewers were forced to to, well, they didn't have to use a bullpen game. I guess the rain delay, Adrian Hauser was able to go five innings, but yeah, it was a one-run game pretty much the entire game through the seventh. Josh Hader has yet to pitch this season, and Josh Hader has still yet to pitch this season. He did not pitch uh, in a one-run game. I guess on the one hand, you could say, well, maybe that's a sign that they're saving him for the ninth inning, like we hope. Uh, it's just weird that we haven't seen him yet. I don't know what to make of that one way or the other. I would imagine he's going to pitch no matter what the circumstances in tomorrow's, in Tuesday's game, uh, just because if he doesn't, he'll have gone nearly a week without throwing, and that's not ideal. But that's that's just one of the things that stood out for me is just we haven't seen Josh Hader yet. Mm. Yeah, and we have seen uh, Corey Knebel used in the seventh inning when they were down to zip. Uh, he was used the yes on Sunday uh, he, when they were losing as well. I believe it was in the fourth inning as well. So we spoke about him as someone that you can drop on yesterday's show. Uh, so let's see. But I mean, now it's kind of interesting to think that like they're going to be one and three. They are one fifteenth of the way through the season. And they're two games under five hundred now, and they've blown multiple in, uh, games after the starters have come out before they've gotten to the ninth inning. So maybe that pushes Craig Council to be a little more aggressive with Josh Hader moving forward. I, yeah, I, like I, I said, like I don't know. It's just, it, it seemed noteworthy to me. If you're, if you're having to go deep enough into the saves category to draft Knebel in the first place, I don't know that you have cause to drop him just yet though. I mean, we just, we just really don't know anything yet about that situation, except that Knebel isn't considered option one in the bullpen right now. I'm going to grab the, the low-hanging fruit with my standout for Monday, and Tyler Glass now is just... Best pitcher in baseball. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to go that Let's far. Let's just say it. But he was Let's awesome. <laughs> Four innings pitched, one hit, one run. Of course, that was a home run to Dansby Swanson, who looks like uh, the breakout might be real there. Nine strikeouts, 69 of his 72 pitches were just on the fastball and the curveball, so we haven't really seen much of that splitter uh, change-up pitch that he was working on in the offseason, but it didn't really matter because he did this against a great Braves lineup. 15 swinging strikes on 72 pitches. It was only four innings. It was only four innings. So that caveat applies, but boy, he looked good. He hit 100 <laughs> a couple times. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, and ooh, unlike well, some of the other Rays pitchers, 
like Snell and Charlie Morton, he seemed like he could have kept going if the Rays yeah. had let him. I think they were just being cautious the first time through. Yeah, against a team that just get, scored 50, just scored 14 runs against the Mets the night before. Like he was basically unhittable. Other than that hard contact Dansby Swanson made on that one pitch. Yeah, that was the only hard hit ball he gave up. Yeah, it seems like it's the only, you know, batted ball that he basically gave up in that game. Some news and notes to get to. Um, Corey Kluber. I mean, gosh, the hits keep on coming. He's out at least four weeks. We knew that he left his start yesterday. We didn't know the severity of the injury, but he's dealing with a tear in his shoulder. Uh, he's going to be at least out at least four weeks, Scott. Would yeah. you consider, if you don't have an IL, would you consider dropping him? That's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Because four weeks, is it reevaluated after four weeks? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even, he yeah. might be back. It could be longer than that. Shoulder tear. Yeah. I mean, that's, he might be back for a start at the end of the year. Unlikely. Yeah. I, I could see dropping Kluber totally. Uh, someone that you might be able to pick up, most likely not if you've been listening to this podcast and listening to Scott rave about him. Uh, Nate Pearson will start on Wednesday against the Washington Nationals, which is the exact day that the yeah, report was. It, it, and Chris, you know, you were baffled by it at the time. It's just, it's so obvious. It's just so crazy. They I mean, will gain the extra year of service time, but Nate Pearson at least is going to start Wednesday. So it's something to be excited about. Yeah, I mean... I guess they're testing the theory that there is no way to lose a service time arbitration case because it was reported July 29th, like three weeks ago. It's whatever. Cool. He's here. Let's see him pitch. I hope he's, I hope he's good. He didn't look great in his last tune-up start uh, in summer camp. The velocity wasn't quite what we hoped it would be, but you know, it, it was isolated and they talked about a mechanical issue. Yeah. He struck out the last three batters he faced. Yeah. So it seemed like he may have figured it out. And like in, in terms of the caliber of prospect Nate Pearson is, I think most lists had him ahead of even Jesus Lazardo. They had him second to uh, Mackenzie Gore among all pitching prospects. Triple digit fastball, great slider was the talk of spring training before that got shut down. So Nate yeah. Pearson should be like, – he should have already been rostered everywhere, but clearly now uh, even more so. And there might be a few leagues where he's out there. He's 57% owned on CBSSports.com, so maybe in a few 10-team leagues, maybe some shallower 12-team points leagues. Uh, so just check to make sure that he's available. And Scott, it would not surprise me if this kind of opens up the floodgates for other prospects to start getting called up once we pass this service time. Uh, again, just pure speculation. We haven't heard any of these other names actually being called up, but it would not surprise me if we start to see Dylan Carlson uh, in the next week or so, Nick Madrigal, uh, even Mackenzie Gore. The, pa the Padres are off to a great start, and it wouldn't surprise me if they called him up and could use his services in the rotation. Yeah, and a Philadelphia Inquirer reporter has speculated on Spencer Howard, especially this, after Vince yeah. Velasquez's first start went poorly. Uh, I think I think uh, Ryan Mountcastle. <laughs> seems like I always bring up his name. I bring up his name, I think, probably disproportionate to how good I actually think he's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but in five outfielder leagues, since that's probably the position he'll be playing, Nick... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle. Mountcastle deserves to be rostered ahead of time. Uh, Anthony Bass will fill in as the Blue Jays closer, and that was evident on Monday evening when he picked up the save. Rafael Dolis uh, pitched in the eighth inning, so Bass 
uh, allowed a hit to Trey Turner, and he picked up the save, so he will be the closer for the foreseeable future for the Blue Jays. Uh, Bo, mm-hmm. Bo Bichette was scratched Monday uh, due to a left hamstring uh, tightness, so that's a situation to monitor. Uh, Juan Soto remains asymptomatic and has had negative tests on his own. He still needs to uh, clear one more MLB-approved negative before returning. That came via John Heyman earlier today. And then Anthony Rendon uh, apparently is going to return, quote, sooner rather than later via Joe Madden. Um, and Scott, you yeah, were, that's, you were that's kind of... That's an interesting one. Scott, you were because... speculating on um, how this is going to affect the likes of Tommy LaStella and David Fletcher, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was. And I, I, maybe Chris was going here, yeah, too. Um, but yeah, it, the thing about... Tommy LaStella started four straight games to open the season, including against one lefty, which is promising. I mean, if he's starting every day, then he needs you need to take a chance on him in all leagues because it, just in case that power emergence last year was legit. But uh, they also have David Fletcher, who's off for an 8-for-15 start, so I doubt he's coming out of the lineup anytime soon. So, you know, if Rendon is there... Does LaStella still get the benefit of the doubt against the lefty get to stay in the lineup? I, d- I don't know yet. It remains to be seen. They could kick out Brian Goodwin instead and stick Fletcher in the outfield and keep LaStella in that way. But we're just not promised anything yet. So keep an eye on that one. Uh, the one I wanted to focus on here, though, is Anthony Bass because I'm sure he's available everywhere. And the Blue Jays have actually declared he is going to fill in for Ken Giles. Rare intention being being shown there in that role uh so you know that's somebody you pick up over Corey Knebel make that move if you have to you pick him up over Greg Greg Holland who I was touting as a safe source yesterday gosh I let you talk me into Greg Holland Scott I was very aggressive on Greg (laughs) Holland last night Uh, I had a few bids on Anthony Bass but I didn't wind up with him anywhere yeah so I hope you're right I hope Greg Holland's the guy for the Royals Trevor got I'd take Anthony Bass over him yeah. Anthony Bass is pretty uninspiring, though. Yeah, I mean, he did have a sub-one whip last year. Yeah. So there's that. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's obviously not a slam dunk. He'll be able to stick in that role. But, it, like, no, yeah, you, I mean, you can't wait around for the perfect safe source in this season, especially. Uh, would you like to guess his ownership percentage, gentlemen? Six. Four. Fourteen. No. Oh. So Pete, right. he looks like he's on the rise based on that report, and it should continue to rise, especially uh, in Roto Leagues and head-to-head categories leagues. Email of the day. This one comes from John. With such a short season, should I just stream the, quote, hot hitters? Freddie Freeman and Josh Donaldson are looking like boat anchor bookends for my team. I think no. the season is really short no. to wait too long for players to get hot. If they finally start hitting, um, I am uh, out of the running for a playoff spot. No. Big deal. Adam's, Adam's not here. Yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to do this. There's no look, unless there's an injury, and maybe in Freddie Freeman's case, the fact that he got off to a late start and actually dealt with COVID symptoms, maybe it is possible that uh, he is just not up to full strength yet. But none of us are good enough at predicting the future or reading the tea leaves to actually know who is hot and who isn't. Like if it, it's fine if you want to pick up a guy who is hot and maybe throw him in your lineup because a guy, you know, one of your lower end guys isn't mm-hmm. fine, but not with Josh Donaldson, not with Freddie Freeman. After four games, we know nothing about any hitter. Yeah. We can, we can kind of make some assumptions about pitchers. Even that's being a little aggressive. We know Eric Cosmer hits fly balls now. 
We, know we do, thing. but he's only started two of the first yes. four games for the Padres, and Pure. it hasn't been a strict lefty-righty thing either. So I don't know. What's no, going he's on there. he's uh, he's got some kind of illness, but it's not. It's yeah, not COVID-related. COVID related. That's what they, they um, ruled. But it was out, weird so. that he was in and out and in and yeah. out. Anyway, uh, one of the issues with Freddie Freeman specifically, since he got brought up, is he's he's walked six times so far. So like he's just getting pitched around. Now it's led to four runs scored. Like that counts. Yeah. Even in leagues that don't count walks. I mean, he's scoring. I, I don't I don't see any reason for concern there. And uh, really with any hitter at this point, four games is just there. There's nothing to detect. The one thing that I was going to say is that I, I can see people panicking sooner. Right. It's because, you yeah. know, it's such a short season. You know, people don't want to get off to a slow start. And, you know, people are going to want to have a, a very short leash for this season. Um, other names that I was just going it's, to highlight that have gotten off to slow starts. I mean, look, there's nothing you could do. I mean, you're not going to bench Ron Lacuna, obviously, and you're not going to trade mm-hmm. him away. He's batting 158. He does have 11 strikeouts over his first yeah. four games, so yeah, just something to pay attention to. Um, but obviously, there's nothing to, nothing to do there. Josh Donaldson, he is one for ten to start the season, but he has four walks and just one strikeout. I mean, did you watch the Minnesota Twins over the weekend? I want any exposure to that lineup that I can possibly get. Alberto Mondesi, two for 15, has zero steals. Uh, another one, pay attention to Josh Bell batting 167. Chris Davis with a K. Now, mind you, I am the biggest Chris Davis fan of all time. He is now 0 for 11 with five strikeouts to start the season. <laughs> and that one's a, l- a little bit more alarming, I will say. I mean, he's not in the echelon of the other names that I mentioned, but you know, maybe it wasn't all injury-related last season. So something to pay attention to with Chris Davis. Guys, we had four players with double dongs on Monday. Teoscar Hernandez, Hunter Renfro, Michael Franco, and Colin Moran. Not really the most exciting group of all time. (laughs) But Scott, of these uh, double dong performances, are you interested in any of them? Well, they're they're all higher in priority than Phil Gosselin's two homer game over the weekend. (laughs) That is fair. At least say that for them. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez had 26 home runs last year as, you know, slightly less than an everyday player. And I, I think, you know, he'll hit some home runs. He's got power. Yeah. Um, it would still be like a 15-team, five-outfielder league that I'd be digging that deep into the, the outfield pool probably. And, you know, obviously Hunter Renfro has even more power. I, I'm sure he was drafted in every Roto League as a cheap source of homers. It's just what else is he going to contribute? It does seem like he's getting preferential treatment in that lineup, so that's good. Should play a lot, but you know, you know exactly what you're getting with him. I guess some people might t- want to take a second look at, really more like a fourth or fifth look at Michael Franco, but pretty much over him at this point. He's been striking out a lot yeah. early in the season. Five so. strikeouts, no walks. Yeah, like no. Back we did back. this last year. He had like a good week to start the season. Let's not <laughs> let's not do it again. So you're no one here for you, Chris. Colin Moran, I don't know if he's going to play against left-handed pitching. No, this was a pretty unexciting day of baseball. I don't want to, you know, look a gift horse in the mouth. We're four days into the season. I'm, I'm glad baseball is back. I'm happy to take it where I can get it. Uh, not a lot exciting to talk about. Uh, we're already running out of stuff, guys. No, just... We're in the stretch run. <laughs> now, th- there are some interesting pitcher performances to yeah, talk about. We've, we've, yeah. Don't worry. We got some stuff to talk about here. There's yeah. like three. No, there's more than that. All right. There's more than that. Let's get it. Let's. Who are we going to start with here with the pitchers? Who are we going to start with? Well, I was going to say, let's do a little bit of segment here called He Gone. 
Question mark. He gone. Okay. He gone. And he gone. <laughs> and he gone. You know, I got to work my Hawk Harrelson in as much as I possibly can. Uh, Josh James. Three innings pitched, three hits, three earned runs, five walks, five strikeouts, nine swinging strikes on 75 pitches, and then Luke Weaver. Where are you at, Adam? Three and a third innings pitched, seven hits, six earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. The velocity looked good. His next start comes against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Scott, dare I say, would you look into dropping either of these two? I understand it's one start, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of starting pitchers that we've hyped up over the past couple of days. All right. Well, first we need to establish who I'm talking to. In my leagues, Chris and no. Frank, and then all the people <laughs> listening to us in on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. In my leagues with the caliber of player that's still available on the waiver wire, no. I am sticking with them. If you play in a league where like Ross Stripling is available, yeah. I think you draw, drop Josh... Uh, Josh James, at least, for yep. Ross Stripling. Personally, I mean, Josh James was one of the mo- sleepers I was most excited about. We knew control might be an issue for him. And, like, he dominated the first two innings of that game. He was getting a ton, ton of swings and misses with this changeup. And then he walked four in the third inning. And you know what that sounds like, Scott? What? That sounds like a reliever. It does sound like a reliever. <laughs> and, and, look, he's unproven. We don't know exactly where this yeah. is going to go. But given the upside, given... You know that pitchers, great pitchers, have bad starts all the time too. Uh, I don't want to make this the the final verdict on Josh James. I want to see him at least one more time. See if he gets those walk downs. If he walks down, if he pitches deeper into games, and then maybe make a different decision. Then Weaver, of course, is a little more proven. I'm still unsure how good he actually is. He was great for the two months he was healthy last year, but not. Uh, not in a way that made it obvious he had turned the corner. Like you could, you could see it going either way with him. It's not like he was piling up whiffs and had some kind of new pitch or something like a Frankie Montas situation. Uh, it was just kind of Luke Weaver continuing to pitch like he normally had and getting better results this time. And like he continued to pitch like he normally had in this start. The fastball velocity, as you mentioned, Frank was fine. It was still basically the same fastball changeup mix he had last year. And, uh, you know, it just, it just didn't yield the same results. So I'm, I'm going to have a relatively quick hook with Luke Weaver, I think. But again, in an ideal scenario, uh, he deserves at least one more start. I do want to say one name uh, from that Astros game, and that's Brandon Bialik. Um, he looked pretty good in his major league debut, I believe, pitching in relief of josh james came in three and a third innings four strikeouts uh four hits got a decent number of swing strikes nine on 53 pitches five on his changeup. um you know he is a, a prospect of some note not a top 100 guy but you know kind of like a top 12 guy in the astros rotation and you know we know with justin verlander on the il that there could be a possibility uh that bialik gets put in the rotation or you know, if they decide to pull the plug on Josh James, uh, he's a name to watch. You guys hear that? You hear that? Oh, is that the sound of Forrest Whitley entering the Astros rotation? I don't know if it actually is or not, but I'm just going to keep banging this drum until it eventually happens. Uh, Scott, one day you will be right. (laughs) One day, eventually. And that'll probably be the first time and the last time that I am right on this show. (laughs) Uh, Scott, I'm assuming that you wouldn't, you know, I was going to say, would you drop him for 
John Lester, who just had five no hit innings. But the thing is, no. John Lester is seventy nine percent owned. How is John Lester seventy nine percent owned, Scott? Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna same name value there, right? <laughs> like he wasn't quite bad enough last year to completely write him off, but he wasn't good either. And for throwing five no hit innings, he had one strikeout. I'm not I'm not really moved by John Lester. However, if I may if I may segue us myself. I may be interested in Griffin Canning if he's still available. I thought that was a pretty impressive showing. Now, he didn't quite get to the five innings necessary for a win against the A's. I'm not sure he would have been in a position to win anyway. I think they got shut out, the Angels, right? Yeah, they they lost. Um, But seven strikeouts in four and two-thirds innings, 15 swinging strikes, uh, last year, from from last year, the fastball velocity was down like a mile per hour, but that's not anything to really raise alarm for a start of the season. He had the same impressive sort of whiff rate he had uh, uh, going with the slider as last year, but the curveball was just as effective. I'm not sure about that. Because well, he threw 20... Stackhouse has him throwing 24 curveballs. Mm-hmm. He never used that pitch nearly as often last year, and well, uh, if they weren't if they weren't curveballs, they were slow sliders because the the velocity yeah. So was last year, lower. his curveball averaged right around eighty. I want to say eighty-two miles per hour. Yeah, eighty-two that miles per hour on the dot. Uh, and today it was at eighty-six. It could be a new pitch. My guess would be that at least some of those were sliders. Um, Maybe. Now it's so it's just, obviously yeah, not uncommon for a player to come up throwing just two pitches and then develop the third in the second year. It you know I'm not even sure it matters. The point was, it's a good he, slider. Look, that's he got a ton of he got a ton of whiffs again, and he his his stuff didn't seem diminished after that scare with the elbow early. So as we were saying toward the end of summer camp, enthusiasm should be renewed for Canning. Don't know that I'm dropping Josh James for him. Definitely not dropping Luke Weaver for him, but. You know, anybody below that threshold, I might consider it. Another name that I just wanted to bring up, and I don't think we're there yet. It's Again, it's only one start. Don't want to overreact. But he looked pretty good today, and that was Michael Waka. Five innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, one walk, four strikeouts. The fastball velocity was up around 94.4 miles per hour. That's what he averaged with the fastball against the Red Sox on Monday night. And it was just slightly over 93 miles per hour each of the past two seasons. I watched a little bit of this game. The broadcast was talking up his changeup in this game as well. He is rostered in just 16% of CBS Sports Leagues. I don't know that I'm rushing to go pick up Michael Waka. His next start is at Atlanta. But Scott, if he performs well in that start, I think that will be enough for me. If he performs well against the Red Sox and the Braves in his first two starts and the velocity remains up, then I'm going to be a little bit more interested in Michael Waka. It's something to keep an eye on. I mean, he, it's been a while since he's been a relevant fantasy option, so I'm not I'm not particularly moved by this. Uh, it seemed like he was leading with his cutter instead of his four-seamer. I'm not sure that means anything. It could have been a category error here early in the season, as Chris likes to point out. But it did catch my attention. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put Waka on my, uh, on my scout team. You know, I'm not counting on much developing there. He did have a 3.63 FIP the last time he pitched in this velocity range. So, you know, if he is closer to 95 miles per hour, and that's where he was in 2017 when he had a 3.63 FIP, it'll it'll be worth watching. Um, 
but not someone I'm going out to add outside of a, you know, maybe a 15 teamer. If, if we're going to talk about blasts from the past, I'm not sure you, you got this in your notes, Frank. So I want to bring it up. Zach Godley. Remember, remember the Godley fervor. Oh, I remember very well. Zach Godley. Yeah. He was basically like my Zach gallon this year. So me too. Right. (laughs) Me too. Uh, he pitched, he didn't start the game for the Red Sox, but he pitched four innings, struck out seven, uh, no walks, which is important for him because control kind of ruined him after that breakthrough 2017 and 15 swinging strikes on just 53 pitches. I mean, that's an insane whiff rate. His curveball has always been a good pitch for him. And, uh, it was piling up whiffs today against the Mets. So, you know, he's he's not he's still not throwing as hard. He's a couple miles per hour lower than he was in 2017 when he had so much success. But like it, the key for him has always been the breaking ball and getting the pitch over the plate. And obviously the Red Sox have a lot of starting pitcher issues, shortage in the rotation there. Godley could easily shift into that spot. Again, it's not a move I'm looking to make right now, but Godley belongs on the scout team because if he moves into the rotation, he dominates just one time. I think we're probably picking him up. Yeah, I think I think it's a, a similar situation to Michael Waka. Uh, the only difference is that Waka's velocity was up. Zach Godley's was not. Uh, 51 of his 53 pitches either came from the cutter or the knuckle curve. So uh, he basically was just two pitches, but he was very good in relief. So just another name to throw on the scout team. Uh, guys, just give me a yay or nay for these. Uh, would you drop either of Josh James or Luke Weaver for, these are the most added starting pitchers on CBSSports.com. Austin Voth, the most added starting pitcher. He's a two-star pitcher, but no. 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 Brady Singer. Yep. You would do it. Both? Or just Uh, James. I would drop neither for Singer, but Singer was somebody I prioritized in the waiver wire in leagues where I had worse players to drop than Josh James. How about way, Tyler guys, Chatwin? We have, our, we have our first Josh Hader appearance Uh-oh. of the season because the Brewers just rallied for four runs uh, in the top of the ninth. Asking you shall receive, Chris. Not sure what to make of that from the Pirates' bullpen perspective. Michael Feliz uh, was pitching the ninth with the four-run lead and did not do well. And then Kyle Crick came, out, came in and uh, gave up a hit before finishing off the inning, so... You know, that's a that's very much an open ended situation with Keone Callas still away from the team. So mm-hmm. yeah, I it seemed like Nick guess, Birdie was getting I think that. I think yeah. Birdie's gonna wind up being Looks. the guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was really I, dominant. I wonder if he on, wasn't available today then because Yeah, he did pitch he yesterday. Figure, he pitched on Sunday and he yeah. struck out the side. He yeah. struck out all three batters that he faced. So um, yep. based on what we saw tonight, I would say that Nick Birdie probably gets the next opportunity, but something to pay attention to. Um, Josh Hader, watch. He is in the yeah, game. So Josh Hader is pitching the bottom of the ninth uh, in a tie game. So, Meanwhile, Craig, Count, uh, Craig Kimbrell is having a very difficult time closing out the Reds. Let's put a couple men on via the walk. So <laughs> Three. You don't, like, you don't like to see that. No. It's not, it's not what you want to see. Oh, no. God, yeah. He has... He has walked all three. The bases are loaded. 
One out against Freddie Galvis. All right, so we'll update you on that situation as it plays out. Uh, the rest of the names here, Tyler Chatwood, Johnny Cueto, Garrett Richards. Would you drop either of uh, Josh James or Luke Weaver for those guys? Sam again? Tyler Chatwood, Johnny Cueto, Garrett Richards. I think Richards and, and James or Weaver, I, I think, is is fine. Look, you're you're reacting to one start either way, so I'm not exactly sure. I can say one way or the other, it's a good move. I think Garrett Richards is a little safer than Josh James, and he does have plenty of upside. Yeah. No, I mean, I think James has more upside, but the upside for Richards is good enough. Uh, I might do that one. I might do that. It's always the, like, with these early season ad drops, something I always argue is that dropping a player who you didn't make a big investment in, it's not like he was this super attractive draft commodity. If you drop him because he was bad, who's going to pick him up? Now, occasionally someone will pick him up because, you know, they were high on him as a sleeper too, but oftentimes they don't. And so you're not actually giving up on him. You're just expanding your roster to kind of casting a wide net and bringing in all the potential sleepers based on how they perform most recently. So, yeah, I could see doing James for Richards. I'd do it with some trepidation, though. Some transactions that we made uh, both Sunday and Monday, if you guys have any of those readily available or anything that comes to your mind. Uh, I added Tyler Chatwood in both of the podcast leagues that we are in together. I dropped Archie Bradley. That was a points league. So uh, I have Kenta Maeda as a relief pitcher. I have Craig Kimbrell. That might not work out. Let's see how that goes. Uh, I added Dylan Carlson for a dollar in my home league. Head-to-head points league, I dropped Kyle Tucker. Scott, would you make that move? Dropping Tucker for Carlson? in a head-to-head points league. Kyle Tucker did start today against a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he mm. went, believe it was 0 for 3 or 0 for 2. He did 2. steal a base. He stole yeah, a base. I, I think he walked twice. He did steal his first base. Uh, I'm not sure how much I want either in a points league because playing time is going to be an issue for both, and playing time is so important in that format. Um. It's not yeah, like I, I think that much better of a prospect if he is at all. Right. I mean, Tucker is, if he's still qualified, he'd be a top 10 prospect everywhere. Yeah. I would think, yeah, that I if, mean, I, I would, don't know. I, I would probably, I, I wouldn't be afraid to drop Tucker in a points league. So if you want to invest in Carlson, I'm, I'm okay with that. I would, I would just imagine if Carlson gets called up. He probably plays every day, but there's yeah. no way of knowing for sure. Yeah, um, it's true. I added Greg Holland in a 15-team Roto League for $11, 11% of my budget. I dropped uh, Corey Knebel there, and I also added Brady Singer for 11% in a 15-team Roto League. Trevor got for $3. Did you guys make any transactions that stood out over the past couple of days? Well, the biggest, like, like I said on Monday's show, I picked up Greg Holland's in every Roto league I was in and in also the head to head categories league I was in didn't care as much about the points leagues because you know, there's always closers available there, but in leagues where saves are scarce and in demand, I put in pretty big bids for Greg Holland. So I'm really invested in him now being the Royals closer. Uh, I'd rather have invested that in Anthony Bass now. So I'll put that out there, but you know, hopefully, hopefully it works out with Holland. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. 
and what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Uh, Some hitter notes from Monday. Victor Robles had two more hits while batting eighth once again. He is hitting .455 early on, so I have to imagine he starts to move up the lineup. Something has to give here. Uh, Victor Robles is off to a very good start. Uh, Kyle Tucker mentioned batted eighth. He scored two runs. He stole a base. Dansby Swanson homered off of a 99-mile-per-hour Tyler Glasnow fastball. He went three for five on Sunday as well with a home run and five RBI. So back-to-back games with a home run. He is just rostered in 47% of CBS leagues. And, Scott, I, I saw that this was something that you pointed out on Twitter. It's just It was hard to invest in Swanson because it was such a deep position at shortstop. Would you drop, it's early, but some of the names that were maybe ranked a couple spots ahead of him, like the Gene Seguras, the oh, okay. well, Elvis yeah, Andrews. Go that deep. Yeah, Dansby Swanson was in that same tier for me. Okay. And uh, whichever players I ranked ahead of him, if it was Segura, if it was like D.D. Gregorius, it was, it was just out of them being more proven. Uh, Swanson has the most upside there, so him being off to a good start, I would I would drop Gregorius for him. I would probably drop Segura for him unless I was in a desperate steal steal spot. You know, Swanson's not zero for steal, so yeah, I'd probably drop him for Segura. Kevin Newman, that's an easy call. Uh, Paul DeYoung might be trickier. Yeah, DeYoung is uh, off to a good start too. Yeah, and, and he had a good camp. And, uh, you know, obviously got off to a terrific start early last season. We thought he was breaking out. So I don't think DeYoung, we know the full extent of his upside yet. Uh, I, I might draw the line there. Swanson's on the same level as him. Uh, Shrimp alert, guys. What happened? Craig, Kem- or Craig Kemberl just walked, hit a batter to bring in a run, walked another batter to bring oh in another God. run. It's 8-7. <laughs> I believe he is coming out of the game. His velocity was good. Glass half full, Chris. So, you know, he averaged 96.2 miles per hour with his fastball. You know, that's good to see. 
Oh my gosh. Um, um, who would be the next man up for the Chicago Cubs? I was just wondering that myself because this was kind of the issue they had as Kimbrel was melting down last year is they didn't really have a next in line. Rowan Wick, maybe? Yeah, that would be my guess. I mean, Jeremy year. Jeffress is there and he has closing experience, but he's not really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Kimbrel's going to get a pretty long leash. Obviously, there's financial incentive there that he's he's on the hook for a couple more years making lots of money yeah so I, I don't think he's losing his job today but you know if you asked me a few hours ago i wouldn't have told you mike fulton Evish was getting dfa'd <laughs> either so things yeah. can uh can, things can escalate quickly as uh ron burgundy would point out <laughs> did not uh yeah not not a good start for Steve Ciszek, not a good sign for the Cubs, who I believe let Steve – or not a good not a good sign for Craig Kimbrell. I believe they let Steve Ciszek and C.J. Edwards walk for nothing this offseason. So. Jeremy Jeffers is replacing go, Kimbrell Cubs. now, for what it's worth. All right, for so that's probably the guy. What uh, it is worth. They've used a lot of bullpen options up to this point. Yeah, but – Which is also worth noting. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman that he walked for the uh, – Bases, with the bases loaded, was Tyler Stevenson, which kind of like flew under the radar. He is oh. a prospect for the Cincinnati Reds, and he got recalled as a result of uh, Mike Moustakas going on the IL yesterday. Yep. Scott, I mean, just throw the name out there. I mean, I feel like any catcher that has a pulse in a Roto League, because you start two of them, is kind cool. of interesting. He's a prospect. Yeah. He hit 285 on, last year in the minors. On base three times today in his debut. Homered, sc- scored a couple runs, driven in a couple. I mean, it's big big game uh i don't know it, it's kind of the same as as william Contreras, wilson Contreras's brother for the braves yeah. uh rushed to the majors because he had to fill in for for players on the il uh but got off to a good start and is a prospect just you know is is arriving ahead of time and we're never sure how that's going to go I'm keeping an open mind, particularly in two catcher leagues on both of these guys, upside at catcher. It's 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 always in demand. But you know, it's they're not priority pickups as of yet. Speaking of other bullpens, we've updated you on the Pirates throughout the show. Uh, Josh Hader just got some of his first action, uh, and Craig Kimbrell imploded. Uh, Joaquin Soria had the picked up the save for the Oakland A's today as Liam Hendricks uh, pitched in two of the first three games for them. Roberto Osuna picked up a save for the Houston Astros. Anthony yeah. Bass, we mentioned, picked up the save. Uh, Seth Lugo pitched an inning and a third for the save. Uh, Scott, that's basically because Edwin Diaz pitched Friday and Saturday. So I assume that they yeah. didn't want to pitch him three of the first four games. I, I guess. I'm a little surprised since he got Sunday off. But, you know, they, you, you bring Lugo in, you're not expecting to bring him in for one out. So maybe it was just that, like he's already in there. We've already used him. Let's just let him close yeah. it out with a three-run lead. Yeah, yeah. three-run lead. I, I think that was the the key thing with both him and Joaquin Soria getting the save. Is it was a three-run lead. We know, you know, you probably you probably want to save your bullets when you can. I guess is the way I would look at it. Uh, Diego Castillo returned for the Tampa Bay Rays today, and he followed Tyler Glass now. So he pitched in the fifth inning. So. Look, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to Tampa yeah. Bay. Uh, I believe Jose Alvarado pitched the ninth inning in a game that they wound up winning very big against the Atlanta Braves. So, again, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, your guess is as good 
as mine. Uh, guys, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on, mention, focus here uh, from Monday's slate of action? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there is. Something. I'm just trying to find oh, what it would something. be. I, I was here. Here's something. Uh, we didn't mention it yesterday, I don't think. But G-Man Choi uh, is a switch hitter now. He, he hit, hit a, a home run, run right-handed. The, he hit a home run from the right what? side of the plate yesterday. Uh, not Monday, but Sunday. We didn't mention that one. Um, you know, it's worth keeping an eye on because if that can make him something more than a platoon bat. That, uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty interesting hitter. You know, not a must-start guy, but uh, a corner infield option. And he yeah. led off for the Tampa Bay Rays on Monday night against yep. Mike Fultonevich. So uh, the lineup context is interesting. Uh, but, I mean, just like their bullpen, it's like their lineup, you don't really know on a, on a day-to-day basis how consistent it's going to be, what the playing time is going to look like. But definitely worth mentioning, more so for deeper leagues, G-Man Choi, uh, now a switch hitter. Uh, some quick, a, a few quick observations, if you don't mind. Yes. Frank. Things I would like to point out, just to keep an eye on right now. But J.P. Crawford, Mariners shortstop, who was formerly a big prospect, he has five walks to one strikeout so far. Also two triples and a double. Maybe he could still develop into something. Evan White, meanwhile, has struck out nine times in his first 17 at-bats. He hit his first <laughs> home run today, but yeah. not encouraged so far by him. Um, Ryan O'Hearn is back for the Royals. He had a big spring training and uh, there were, there, there was some excitement building for him back then in like 15 team leagues as a deeper first base option. He was out for COVID, but he's back. He went two for four today. Dominic Smith was in the lineup for the first time for the Mets and homered. He was replacing (laughs) Jonas Cespedes at DH. Still not sure exactly how that playing time is going to shake out. And uh, another sleeper of mine, Adrian Hauser. That's one pitcher we didn't mention. He one hit the Pirates over five innings, did issue three walks, but was efficient through 68 pitches in those five innings. And, uh, you know, deserves to be rostered still based on that performance. And uh, Fernando Tatis hitting 333, 33.3% strikeout rate, 556 Babbitt. It is officially baseball season now. (laughs) Maybe this is just who Fernando Tatis is. I did want to highlight, and I feel like every year there's like a week out of the season where I wind up picking this guy up in deeper leagues. Jacoby Jones went two for four, hit his second home run of the season, uh, three RBI on Monday night for the Detroit Tigers. If nothing else, I think he's going to play, Scott. So just five outfielder leagues. If you need someone to pick up and stream, I'll just throw the name out there. Sure. Sure, he hasn't he hasn't been striking out at the crazy high rate he normally does for the ten at bats he has so far, twelve or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm open to the idea of there being some un, untapped potential for Jacoby Jones, but it's going to take a lot for me to to buy into it, I guess. And one more note I'll throw out there uh, that we haven't mentioned. Andrelton Simmons did sprain his ankle. I believe it was the same ankle that he missed a significant amount of time with last season. I think it was kind of the same situation where he overran the bag um, and and slipped on it. So, oh, that so that, I, that could help Listella. Yeah, that I don't. Tommy Listella has never played uh, shortstop. I don't know Fletcher. If, yeah, I don't Fletcher, know if yeah. Fletcher has. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's played a little bit of shortstop. Yeah, 
Yeah, he yeah. started 30 games of shortstop in his career. So it is uh yeah, it's possible that Anderson Simmons, I'm not sure how long he's going to be out, but given that it was the same ankle as last year, it wouldn't surprise me if it was uh you know, not a short absence. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. I haven't seen any update there. Your questions, fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Continue to send those in, whether you have trades, uh, lineup decisions, anything regarding fantasy baseball or life, whatever. Send it in. Uh, fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. This one's from Luke in Philly. Grade the trade in a points league. I get Bryce Harper, Kevin Newman, and Frankie Montas. I give Rafael Devers, Spencer Howard, Zach Britton, and Tommy Listella. Harper, Newman, and Montas, in return, uh, gives up Devers, Howard, Britton, Listella. What do you think, Scott? So he's giving up the best player in Devers. He's getting back the second and third best players in Harper and Montas. I don't think anyone else he's giving up in Devers is like, Somebody I'd be especially attached to in a points league, yeah. Howard, Britton, and Listella. Uh, certainly there's some upside there, but they don't have a lot of tangible value right now. So I, th- I actually think it's fine, even though he's giving up the best player. I would, I would give it a, a B. Yep. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and look, getting Montas back in the deal in a points league, I mean, he's the best pitcher in this deal. We don't know how Spencer Howard's going to pitch yet, but... I would assume Frankie Montas is going to be better. So I like it a little bit more. I'm a Bryce Harper guy too. I'll give it a B plus. This one's from David. Oh, he's got a bit of a rant here. This is in regards to Kyle Tucker's value this season. Taylor Jones. Taylor Jones. He hit 265 in the minors just because he bats right-handed was in the lineup Sunday against the left-handed pitcher. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I actually have a question for you. Let me collect my thoughts. Taylor Jones. (laughs) <laughs> is du- is Dusty trying to lose? Did Kyle Tucker insult one of Dusty's family members? Does he owe him money? What is it? I obviously can't do this. I'm going to go see if Dylan Carlson is still available. For what it's worth, Taylor Jones has hit pretty well over the last couple of seasons in the minors, in the high, in the high minors, triple A <laughs> and double A. He's not a nothing uh, prospect. He's, He's six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's, he's a big boy. He's a top thirty uh, prospect. He got sent back down too. I. So maybe maybe look, the front office took the decision out of Dusty Baker's hands there. Here's the thing, specifically with Dylan Carlson. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's okay. Dropped Kyle Tucker for Dylan Carlson, who definitely isn't going to be in the lineup tomorrow. Probably isn't going to be in the lineup the day after. And there's no guarantee he plays every day, even if he does get called up on Wednesday when they gain that extra year of eligibility. The Cardinals have a glut of outfielders, and I'm there's no guarantee you're not just creating the same problem for yourself for a player who may not be better, and I would argue probably isn't better. Dylan Carlson's had one good year in the minors where he's played at the level of a top prospect, and you know, from what I understand, there's some some concern about the quality of contact there. I, I've seen some reports that some of the TrackMan data in some of the minor league parks, uh, I think it was Eric, Eric Longenhagen from Fangraphs, pointed out that some of it was a little run-of-the-mill, not quite as impressive as the overall numbers suggest. So I'm just a little worried that Dylan Carlson was a one-year flash in the pan and may not be a superstar type of prospect. 
Fair enough. I mean, you're not making me feel great because I actually made that same exact move. Uh, but uh, we'll yeah. see what happens. Look, the lineup it, it's, context It's hard too. to know when to totally cut bait on Tucker because right. obviously the playing time hasn't been encouraging. And in this season, you can't count on the cream rising to the top. Yeah. So that, like, I, I don't fault anybody for dumping Tucker for Carlson. I do think if I'm betting on who's better given equal playing time, I would give the slight edge to Tucker. And... uh we yeah, that's one when where Carlson's I just, coming up. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's not just the mystery box versus a boat. It's like the mystery box versus a boat of playing time. <laughs> <laughs> getting uh, getting crazy with it there, Chris. This was from Jonathan. He's got some team name Tuesdays. Hey, Wade, Ozzy, Steve, and Don. Those were all that. That was the infield on the Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns put uh, together the okay. softball team of superstars: Wade, Wade Boggs, Boggs, Ozzy yeah. Smith, Steve Sachs, and Don Mattingly. That is correct. Team names are always fun, and thought I'd take a shot. We haven't had these in a few in a, in a while, so continue to send them in. Some team name Tuesday. Take a shot at some based on my deep keeper league. Crochet me a sweater. Sure. 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 I, I I don't. Garrett crochet. Oh, draft pick the White Sox first round pick yeah. for the White Sox yeah. going scooball diving. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a birdie on nine future closer yep. of the pirates, potentially B U R D I. Yep. Like swallows from Campusano. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's one. <laughs> I, oh man. The responses are resounding. <laughs> I mean, look, they're good. Yep. They're, they're good. Yep. I, I've got one. What do you got? Uh, in honor of Taylor Swift's uh, brilliant new album, Mark Folkloretta. I saw that's what you made your Twitter name, and I had no idea what it was. I'm like, what is Chris doing? It's always funny because, like, bit that I do. Uh, I, I don't you. know if you know this, Frank. I was going to congratulate you, actually. I saw yeah. that Taylor Swift has a new studio album, so congrats, Well, Chris. it's not just a new studio album from Taylor Swift. It's a new studio album from Taylor Swift, co-written and co-produced by Bryce Desner of The National. This is a big deal for uh, for a hipster in his 30s who lives in Brooklyn. <laughs> you are, you know, Chris, I live in New York, too, and I have had much exposure to hipsters. You're not like other hipsters, man. No, there's look, I, like I've got some <laughs> shorts that are like a few inches above my knees, but like I'm not, I'm not like the rest of these guys, not yet. I've got some short shorts too. <laughs> not I'm, I'm not, I mean, af- look, I'm not afraid to show off some leg. Look, who do, who is? <laughs> all right, that seems like a great place to end the show for today. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching on the Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. <laughs>